Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 88 for Monday, May 11th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, or you may know him as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello! If you want to hear how we've been escaping from the world in general right now, uh, mainly into all kinds of nostalgic things like Star Wars, Star Trek, and beyond uh, World of Warcraft, stuff like that. Uh, you can hear more about that in the Render Distance, which is the extended version of The Spawn Chunks. You can get that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks, where signing up gets you an invite to our Discord chat and gets you access to the extended version of the show. Hi, Joel. What have you been doing in Minecraft this week? Well, now that I'm back streaming, I'm back at it hard because I feel like I'm making up for lost time and I may have overdone it this weekend because I was pretty tired come Sunday night so I streamed both Saturday and Sunday actually I streamed Friday night as well Friday night was just a short little like two to three hour thing but Saturday and Sunday were both like four to five hour events right yeah uh, which is fine like I, I can do it and I took lots of breaks and I enjoyed it but I realized Sunday evening as I was um watching said star wars film that i was exhausted and yeah. uh but i got a lot done like i got a lot done so last week i started working on the street plaza uh i've been kind of battling with um the repetitive nature of building this white concrete high rise so i thought well i need to start breaking things up getting more stuff done in the city and getting my mind out of this like vertical tower set and so I did this street plaza and I wanted to do a compass rose mosaic and I started it live on stream and I was trying to mess with like prismarine and blue and blue concrete. I wanted to make it really bright and car not cartoony, but like something out of the ordinary, you know, something try block palettes that I don't normally mess with and quickly got frustrated on stream and we ran out of time and I ended up stopping, but I knew I was onto something. I knew I was onto something with the shape. I knew I was onto something with, with the design and the block that uh, you know not the block palette but like the the idea was good and i went back and played that evening on my own and ended up switching everything over to gray because you actually get a gradient in gray in minecraft and the other colors just usually clash with one another mm -hmm. so i ended up with this really cool uh, compass rose design i've posted uh, pictures on twitter and stuff like that i'm really happy with it and i uh i added like a nautical theme to it we've sort of settled on southport as the name of the city in the modern build area on the citadel which i think is fitting it's simple it kind of communicates a lot about the city it's it's going to be a port like it's got a harbor front and you know it's going to have boats and things and uh i put an anchor in the middle of the um of the compass rose and returned to add trees and try to figure out some lighting uh we're not mob proofing with lighting we're just kind of like aesthetically lighting but trying to minimize some areas so it's the whole thing is not a mob farm yeah and uh and it was cool like i started doing some tricks where you put sea lanterns under upside down stairs and then put like a transparent block next to that and so it's it looks like a little pot light that you would normally see in those kind of city plaza situations. Usually you find them like under like by trees or they're usually shining up at stuff so that there is light in the area at night, but it's not necessarily full of lampposts and things like that. So but we did that, too. We added lampposts. We did some lighting. Uh, and uh, and then I went back and I did a couple of longer streams with the high rise balconies. And when I say that there's a lot of balconies in this building, it's. 16 floors times four mm -hmm. for the balconies because each each floor has got four corners of the building for 
<laughs> perspective apartment. Now, sure. they're not all furnished. There's nothing inside. It's half the building is hollow because it's got my concrete maker in it. But I really get into this group of doing the balconies. And I, I finally found that like mountain building task, you know, for, for a stream. Yeah. And so that yeah. was really fun because I stole an idea from, from CubFan and I did like a hashtag Q&A Joel. And people were asking all kinds of really cool questions about like, you know, what musical instrument would I play if I could? Uh, you know, what, you know, kind of art tips that I had. There was, it was a really fun conversation. And in the process of chatting with everybody, I got, you know, every time I did it, I finished an entire wall of the apartment building, you know, where it's just balconies and windows and like everything was just kind of finished. So it's really starting to come together. You're starting to feel like instead of a scaffolding in the middle of the city, there's actually a building there now, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And there's, um, there's really no substitute for putting the time in on projects like that as well. No, like exactly. It's, it's yeah. not really something you can cut corners on. You basically have to just go ahead and do it. So finding something like a stream and, and just finding something you can, um, yeah, you can lean back and, and do that stuff and talk to people while you're doing it, I feel like makes it a little bit more uh, doable. I, I think that that's mm. the kind of thing that if I wasn't streaming, I'd have a podcast on in the background or something and I'd just be like, you know, repeating the same block combinations over and over again. You find the the fastest way to do it or you try and vary it a little bit to make it a bit more fun for yourself. Yeah. And I and I got into the Compass Rose thing off stream on my own, much the same way that I would get into an art project that's kicking my butt. You know, like I was like, wow, this is really frustrating, but I really, I like where it's going and I can see the potential and I want to finish it. Yeah. And I haven't had that in a while. I don't normally play Minecraft off stream. It's just not something I have the time for. It's kind of like if I'm playing, it's kind of silly for me to not just turn on the mic and just go. Um, and so setting the expectation of this being a relatively repetitive visual stream, uh, and then having the conversation be something more interesting, I thought was, um, was a fun kind of like, not something to stumble upon because I knew that's the way to approach it, but it was, it was really good to get it done because I'm approaching the city. I find a lot more like I'm approaching the whole server where we have these build zones where like, if you feel like building in a modern city, you can go do that. If you feel like mm, I'm kind of stuck in the modern city, but I have this idea for a castle or I have this idea for a farm, you can go build in the medieval district. And so, you know, having these different build zones has kind of woken me up to, I'm doing the same thing in the city. When I'm sick of the, the high rise building, I went and I worked in the park, you know, with flowers and paths and stuff, you know, and when I got you know, finished with the park and back to the building and got frustrated with the building again, I went and I did the waterfront. And I had this experience yesterday where I just got completely slammed for what I'm going to do for the floor in the lobby of this building. Mm -hmm. And I could feel myself being frustrated on stream. I wasn't talking as much. Like I was really thinking hard about what I could do. I was spitballing ideas. And these are things that um, I wanted to ask you about because... I like I I don't build things in creative first and then rebuild them on stream because I don't want to do things twice. And so a lot of times on stream it takes me I don't want to say longer, but people are watching me build stuff and they're watching the real creative process because me just refining the elevators in the lobby, which I am happy with, took two hours. Yeah. You know, because I'm messing around with things. Does this look good? Does that look good? Uh, let's try this. Now, the, the good news is that there's four elevators and there's two sides to the elevator kind of like complex. So if you have an idea, you can fix one and then try your idea on the other, which you have to rip down anyway. So then you can just say, all right, well, we can look at them side by side and then which one looks better. Um, I find one of the hardest things about trying to design something in Minecraft is that if it's the one thing and you can't iterate, like you can't see two versions of it next to one another, 
it becomes really difficult to decide which one you like more when you have to rip one down and then put it back down again. It's it's like um, changing texture packs. Like, I mean, you can't look at them side by side in the same game. You have to like unload and reload and the whole screen goes white. So you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know what looks best because they're not side by side. Yeah. And so um, when you work on a stream and you're working on something design wise and you get kind of stuck like what what do you do next like do you kind of try to muscle through do you flip over to a creative world or do you just move on to something else i don't do a great deal of building on stream that isn't just repetitive like tasks right Mm. now and the most recent thing i did was finally getting building bits of this ski village around the base of the mountain project and that is all based on a project uh, a house that i put together in creative first and that was mainly so i could build one for a youtube video but then i took the style of that and basically improvised three more houses for that on top of it so yeah it's it varies for me but i feel like a lot of the time when i'm working on something larger if one section of it just starts to feel a little bit tired to me i will go and build another section of it so as far as that goes with houses i think i'd probably flip back and forth just to give people something to still watch i'd probably just go and like start on another project and maybe build up something else that maybe my brain was feeling more inspired to do at the time and that that's that's how i keep things a little bit fresh and that might be frustrating to watch for some people because some people just want to see everything progress from start to finish but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way your brain doesn't Mm. have the uh, the stamina to go through an entire project like that especially if it's not something that you can get finished on stream you don't have that sense of finality to it and closure so that you can move on to something else so i think yeah it's it's nice to have a couple of plates spinning at the same time so that if one thing feels like it's getting stale or you're just stuck for what to do, there's something else you can go and work on without really having to change the pace too much. Yeah. And that's what I did. Like I switched gears and I wanted, um, we ma- one of the other tasks that we did over the week was I mapped the entire city with Minecraft maps. So I could know what it is. It's like a seven by nine or seven by 11 map wall. Uh, so it took a little while, although surprisingly I got a knack for it and I found like a, a way to do it quite quite repetitively so it didn't take too too long on the stream but um in the process realized oh my gosh when you're dealing with something as clean cut as a modern city design where you can very clearly see straight lines streets go here buildings or boxes uh man does that ever beat uh flying up in the air and then trying to turn around while you're gliding with your elytra to say hmm does this line look right like is this street pointing in the right direction just make a map just make a map and then walk over to the wall and update the map on the wall. Uh, I wish the maps would update without having to actually take them off the wall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if, if you make a copy of it and hold it in your hand, then the map on the wall will update based on the one you've got in your hand unless you lock it. But then that means having oh, two sets right. of maps. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so I just, I mean, it was fine. I just, I, I took the map off the wall, put it by the waterfront so that I wasn't traveling all over the place and just like walked over to it, punched it, picked it up, looked at it, put it back on the wall. Like it was, it's only one map. We weren't updating a series. It was just to yeah, build sure, in one sure. area. Thankfully, the the i think it was one or two maps by the end of it but i was just changing the direction of the wharf and um it was it was something that i knew i could do successfully because the wharf had an established design it had an established pattern it was just a matter of doing some geometry but yeah. i needed to do that to have a successful 30 minutes of gameplay at the end of my stream to negate the negative bad feeling of just being so frustrated with this 
huge lobby that I've got no idea how to do the floor in. And part of the frustration is that I have to light it somehow. Yeah. Like I've got to put lights either in the floor or near the floor or hidden in trees on the floor. Like I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. And, but mainly it was just block palette. And I realized what I needed to do was I needed like a time in a creative menu, not to build it, but like, I just needed to go through the creative menu and just look at all the different blocks. I'm just like, okay, well, what are, what are my options here? Um, which I guess I could have done on stream, but I just, I didn't want to, I felt that that's kind of boring. So I, I, I moved on to do something else, but so what, like, what have you been adding for the bits of the ski village? Like you're talking about lodges, housing, like what's the. The idea I wanted to go with was transforming the uh, pre-generated Minecraft village that's there. And I didn't want that looking completely different to the rest of the ski village buildings. I have a fairly sort of modern town centre planned. I mean, it's still going to be... It's contemporary rather than modern, shall we say. So it's it's still going to feel like some place that's tucked away in a, a mountainous area somewhere... And a lot of it is built out of wood and and looks kind of semi-rustic, but still like in the style of you know Aspen, Colorado, for example. There's going to be some mm. some some houses up there that kind of look very um, like very very sort of typical ski villagey. And I'm, I've been looking at reference material for some places in France and Switzerland and stuff as well, where there's a lot of skiing in Europe. And I decided to start transforming the nearby village just so for a start. I would have a place to breed up some villagers again because a lot of them had been in outside areas and had been picked off by zombies and pillager patrols on the rare occasions that those would spawn. I I, I encounter a pillager patrol basically every time I stream from that area now. I don't know what it is. Snow planes just seem to spawn them, maybe because there's very few other things spawning, but I don't think it's, it's... It's probably just anecdotal. I don't think it's anything mechanical that's really happening there. But the, um, yeah, the, the village itself I wanted to transform in a way, and I just picked a couple of easy reference images off of Google and started working on those from there. And I've come up with a couple of house designs I've really liked. Uh, there are three different houses, and then one of them I liked so much I just mirrored it, and I mean, turned it 90 degrees and built the same house in a different place. And that all just went into the time-lapse of my most recent video. So, um, yeah, just been working on that, trying to make the area feel like it has something complete there because the only other complete section of it really is the sort of split a-frame house that i built there a long time ago and i am that that was episode 299 of the survival guide so episode 300 is the next one it's going to be a world tour and i i didn't really feel like showing up to the ski village and saying hey yeah this is just a bunch of wooden boxes that i put here to mark out where i imagine stuff going in this ski village and then not really having anything else to show for it Um, Mm. I also want to start transforming some more structures in Minecraft in general. I really want to do an overhaul on a jungle temple because I still feel like they are one of the more neglected and less interesting structures compared to all of the more recent stuff that's been added that is uh, iterative and procedurally generated and has different layouts each time you discover it. Jungle temples, the loot is different, the structure is the same, right? So I kind of want to do some some remodeling of existing Minecraft structures just for some fun projects to do to tide us over between now and the release of the Nether update, which is still, you know, as we know, not hasn't got a release date as of the time of this recording. Probably won't for a little while. We're expecting it might come out sometime in June um, because they're winding down features and stuff for it. But ultimately, yeah, we're going to have to find some stuff to do for the next maybe six weeks, maybe more. 
uh and mm, and i feel okay. like little projects like that are going to be quite fun eventually i might build up to doing stuff with a woodland mansion or an ocean monument but that's going to be a much larger scale project for both of those because they're huge so yeah. it will it will take a little while to get that far but you know maybe end cities in the end and uh once we get stuff to once we get to stuff like bastions and maybe remodeling nether fortresses could be a thing as well we'll see right on i I was just thinking as you were talking about the jungle temples that in all the different biomes that they've talked about revamping, you know, they vote for your biome that you want to be uh, transformed and updated and jungles have never been on the chopping block. No, like they've never, they've, they've not, um, they've not ever been an option. I wonder if it's because like pandas and bamboo were just recently added to jungles. Yeah, and, and so they've, they've had parrots had... as well, sort of recently. Yeah. And while that, that's not exactly revolutionary, it still seems like features that maybe they've added some stuff there recently that they're kind of happy with. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, eventually, I, I imagine it would turn up in the rotation. But jungles are one of the few biomes, I think, that really fulfill what they say on the tin. You know, mm -hmm. you, you, you find yourself feeling like you're in a very tropical atmosphere when you're there just because of the height of the trees being so different and it, it being like a variety of stuff that generates there kind of i feel the same about dark oak forests in a way there's never really a huge amount there unless you encounter a woodland mansion but you get uh dark oak trees mushrooms growing there there's a mixture of oak and birch in there as well it feels a little bit more like it has an ecosystem going instead mm. of like the birch forests which are just birch trees as far as the eye can see and a grass color i don't particularly like so yeah, yeah it, it feels like there's less to do there um, but the jungles at least feel like something you can explore. There's the element of danger of them having slightly darker floor space because of the sheer amount of leaves above you. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if the jungles need an overhaul as much as some of the other aspects of the game might. It's funny because the temples are definitely the weakest thing in a jungle. Oh, yeah. Right? By far, I like, think. Yeah, By far, yeah. Because even the desert temples are kind of cool looking. Like they've got that, that like the double pillar. They, they, they feel a little bit more more of a modern minecraft design as far as just like what we're used to seeing from from moyang and minecraft. yeah they're all the uh, same but at least they've got enough yeah. space in them that you can oh, convert the them same. into a yeah. base as well That's yeah the thing. No, like, I, I see what you're saying now like having them be modular where like one of them might have one tower or two towers and like if if the desert temples were being constructed in the same way that desert villages were being constructed it would be a much cooler experience discovering them around yeah yeah and maybe I can see that yeah, very cool. Uh, well, speaking of all of these different changes that are coming to Minecraft, we have a new snapshot this week, Minecraft Java Edition Snapshot 20W19A. This snapshot contains another round of tweaks and bug fixes, but also quality of life features such as strider distancing. It might not be as important as social distancing, but we hope you like it. Uh, new features in the new snapshot include patches of blackstone and gravel now generate in all nether biomes and patches of soul sand now generate in soul sand valleys. I thought they did before, but apparently that's new. Um, added distance by strider statistic, which is the joke that they played on in the opening paragraph. Uh, so now when you ride a strider, you can track that in the statistics screen. Snapshot changes, including villagers can now spawn iron golems regardless of their profession, status, or latest working time. Bastions are now a bit less common. They've lowered the amount of weeping and twisting vines uh, growth rate by bone meal. You can, uh, sorry, you now need to use shears to get the item when breaking another sprouts, similar to when you're trying to shear grass. Tweaked spawning of mobs to more closely adhere to mob caps and biome distribution in the nether has been tweaked. Some technical changes, including that fish have now been moved to their own mob category and mob cap separate from other aquatic mobs fixed bugs of note 
various changes to villager pathfinding and bed bugs. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, go and read the patch notes at minecraft.net for the full list, but we have a few here that I thought were worth mentioning. Mobs can spawn inside of wither roses. That has been fixed. They no longer will do that. Rail updates are three to four times laggier since 113. That's been fixed. Good news for redstone people. Piglin bartering is limited to dropping a single item stack from the loot table. I believe this was when you try to do a custom loot table, but that has also been fixed. And map marker labels do not render properly. That's been fixed. Good news for all people using the map markers. Uh, that's, uh, that's it for the big news snapshot this week. Um, the last little bit, we do have an update from Optifine. Optifine 1.15.2 is in pre-release 16. That was updated on the 5th of May. Creeping ever so slowly towards 100% complete, likely in time for 1.16 release. I'm, of course, being a little bit kiddy about this. Uh, obviously, very much appreciate all the work that goes into Optifine, but it has been slow going. Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff they're working on right now is Forge compatibility for the modded scene, uh, but the pre-release that I've been working with, I think it's pre-13 from a few weeks ago, has been really stable and has been, for me at least, a full version of Optifine as far as I'm concerned. It lets me use shaders, it lets me have connected glass and a zoom function, that's basically what I use Optifine for at this stage. So yeah. yeah, I guess making it compatible for the modded community is ultimately the goal, but is not going to be super troublesome for the average player who just wants to get in and play vanilla and obviously once stuff rolls onto 116 that 115.2 version of optifine is still going to be usable by the modded community until they catch up to whatever the most recent update is um yeah, yeah so it's it's good to see the the progress on that still still rolling forward there are a few things in there that are not working yet that I miss. Uh, Anti-aliasing, and there was one other thing. I can't remember what kind of renderer thing it is, but I notice it when I use shaders that my shadows are like really choppy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't updated to pre-16. I went to look, uh, and the GitHub page mentioned a lot of bugs, and I was like, well, pre-13 is working right now, and given all the issues that I've had using the combination of the adjustments I've made to my PC along with Optifine. Um, preview 13 uh has allowed me to play so i was like i'm not gonna rock the boat i'll just wait <laughs> yeah i'll wait until it's out and and i'll switch then but for now preview 13 is is good for me um because i i know it's possible but i haven't installed multiple versions of optifine on a system before so i'll just kind of stay with the way things are um something that i was surprised by uh the technical changes in uh this week's snapshot they've messed with iron golem spawning again uh, <laughs> again although messed it, with it, it seems in a to good be making way. it easier yeah yeah like it seems remarkably easy uh you don't have to have workstations at your iron farm at all uh you just need beds for the villagers to sleep in uh i want to give a shout out to to ray's works uh, i was watching one of his videos where he was explaining the differences and stuff and it was very clear uh it seems very simple i'm kind of surprised uh but at the same time, if it makes it easier, and I'm wondering if it, it if it also is kind of an answer to the iron golems that were spawning all over the place. Like I know servers were having issues with like multiple iron golems spawning in places they didn't want them to. Well, I feel like it's just going to make that problem worse, if anything, because now unemployed villagers are able to create iron golems. And I think this has really been done so that if newer players are messing around with villager workstations and they take all of the, say, brewing stands from a village because they plan to use them for themselves, the villagers then couldn't generate an iron golem to defend them in the case of, like, a zombie or a pillager attack 
because right. all of the workstations have been taken away and they haven't worked within the last two days, which was a condition for spawning an iron golem previously. So I think it makes sense that villagers without profession should still be able to make an iron golem to spawn one in for defense of the village. But yeah, wow, iron farms just got a stage less complicated, which is kind of a thing. Like It, it was never the biggest problem before, but I think it is now, yeah, it, it's it's now, if not laughably easy to create an, an iron farm, then I feel like it's going to make the randomly spawning iron golems, if you have a collection of villagers, possibly more of a problem than it was before rather than hmm. less. I feel like, I don't remember, I watched so many videos last week when the snapshot first came out, but I feel like there's been something else changed about iron golem spawning to help mitigate that. And I, mean, I don't know what it is. I, I didn't see anything in the snapshot notes about it, but I haven't no. played around with this snapshot too much. I'm I'm staying no. out of them mainly for the sake of not wanting to spend too much time in there before the update rolls around. I want stuff to still feel kind Same. of fresh. Same, yeah. yeah. I, I I watched the the summary videos of the snapshot stuff just so I can see a visual reference. You know, specifically last week with the redstone changes, it was very helpful to watch. You know, Mumbo and some other people do some some snapshot videos. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's um it's good. I, I I feel like it also looks a little bit less buggy. Not that it was buggy, but like the pathfinding and the villagers kind of scurrying around and trying to find their workstations that's only like a block and a half away and like all that kind of stuff. It just felt very manipulative like it just didn't feel like the way that they were supposed to to work you know like yeah. it, it felt felt weird it felt like it took me out of the game and felt like well this is now a a computer program and i'm watching these nodes like flip around and not really realize where they're going that kind of stuff um i'm down with the nerf to the weeping vines and the twisting vines growth um them popping up like 12 or 20 long from one bone meal felt overpowered yeah i was um, i was surprised when i first interacted with that and saw how quickly they grew you could get up to the ceiling of the nether when you found them within you know one or two pieces of bone meal and that's yeah. effectively instant ladders uh making it pretty easy to grow a ladder from the bottom up or the top down so i feel like yeah evening that out balancing a little bit and using a decent amount of bone meal to generate something like that makes more sense to me uh, also, that's a great way to traverse around the nether. If you if you manage to see some some vines, you know, use your shears and grab them and, and go into the nether with some bone meal. And if you have to get down from a high place before you have elytra, just like attach, you know, some some nether vines and, and go down. Um, what are they called? Weeping? Twisting. Twisting vines are the red ones, I think. No, hey. weeping are the red ones. Twisting are the blue ones. This is gonna, we're gonna have to come up with some sort of mnemonic, like the stalagmite stalactite thing, to figure out which is which. Um, but weeping yeah. is down. Weeping is down. Twisting is up. I know that much. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, and and the fact that shears for the vines are now also used to shear the spores from the ground. Is it? Sp yeah, sprouts. Sorry, sprouts. Um, it's just consistent gameplay. I feel like it just makes sense that if you punch the spores they disappear much like if you punch grass uh yeah it exactly they're, they're, it's the nether's equivalent of grass isn't it so yeah it makes sense now when you when you punch grass in the overworld you have a chance to get seeds i don't think you have a chance to get anything if you punch sprouts i think you just destroy them yeah um, yeah seem, seems fair i don't think yeah. um the, the nether's ecosystem really supports that kind of crop in the same way the overworld does so right yeah yeah, I feel like that makes sense. Um, the Wither Rose nerf is the other big one this week. And right. I saw a lot of people decrying this, uh, but then 
a lot of the technical folks have said, well, yeah, Wither Roses have just been, like, the easiest way to farm stuff for a while, and it seems disproportionate once you have an easy way to farm Wither Roses, which you can do if you just, like, spam a bunch of chicken eggs before you fight the Wither, or you can set up an Enderman-based farm if you can trap the Wither in Bedrock. You can come up with a lot of Wither Roses very quickly. It does seem a little bit overpowered to have stuff just spawn in there and die instantly, so... There are a few workarounds for this that are fairly simple. You look at stuff like creeper farms where wither roses are used quite liberally now. All you need to do is modify the area in which uh, wither roses are planted and you should quite easily be able to control that. It won't be instantaneous anymore, but it will certainly be as effective. And in, in my head, I thought, well, if anything, creeper farms might be easier, not harder, simply because if you do a checkerboard pattern of wither roses, and creepers can still spawn in the gaps. There are fewer spawnable spaces there, sure, so you might have to build a slightly larger farm. But then if you have something every other block, spiders aren't going to be able to spawn because it won't let one of those spawn in a wither rose, so it's easier to just get creepers. <laughs> so I, I think yeah. um, some farms like that, we'll see a few adaptations and a couple of people, I'm sure people have already been messing around in the snapshot doing trial and error on the the most optimal way of placing wither roses now but i think it shouldn't be too bad and if anything will mean you're using fewer wither roses so you don't need to farm as many of them it almost balances itself out so the thing with wither roses for me is i always thought well why why wouldn't you just like create a platform of wither roses and just move the mobs onto them like have the mobs just spawn on a platform like they normally would and then just push them onto where the roses like what i guess the only difference here is that previously they would spawn in them yes so i guess it relieves one small step but like is it that big of a step like you know i i didn't i looked at the wither rose farms like oh that's a neat idea but like i also think about like wither roses are kind of a pain to get <laughs> you know, like i yeah. don't i don't think i don't look at wither rose farms personally and please correct me if i'm wrong listeners but i don't look at them as more efficient are they faster I think it's just the matter of something is basically getting killed as soon as it spawns. It's just like for, right. you know, the, the highest possible rates kind of thing. Um, and yeah, once you have a Wither Rose farm, it is relatively straightforward to get hold of large quantities of them. And right. I, I think they were, since they're also used to make black dye, there is, you know, some uh, utility to that in ways other than just using them for mob traps. But ultimately, right. it's just a way of immediately making this the killing process faster so that you can harvest drops faster with some sort of minecart rail underneath it of course uh the other upside to this is the wither farms that you can make in nether fortresses if you want to get wither skeletons they are not affected by the wither effect whereas everything else that will spawn in a fortress is so if you want to set up a field of wither roses normal mobs would spawn in there it'd kill the blazes the pigmen the regular skeletons just the wither skeletons would be left Whereas now you don't have the ability to filter with the skeletons out that way and then, you know, have them swept by slime block flying machines or, you know, attracted to iron golems or something like that. Then again, there are many other, you know, nether fortress farm designs out there that yeah. are just so, as if not more efficient. But So wait a minute, back up. So if if the mobs that are killed by wither roses do not spawn in wither roses, are you saying that now wither skeletons won't spawn there either, even though they're not affected at all? I think it seems to be all mobs. 
are oh. not spawning wither roses. So like it, okay. it it detects an area that does not have a wither rose planted and only allows mobs to spawn there. Right. But then I would presume that their pathfinding can still take them through the wither roses. They're not going to avoid walking on them. So mm. yeah, we'll we'll see how these farms shake out. But I have seen a couple of people already modify creeper farms so that there's just a ring of wither roses around the outside and a cat in the center and any creepers that spawn in the center just walk just into the wither away. roses freely. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, speaking of black dye, though, I'm looking forward to perhaps some higher yields from uh, easier to make squid farms where you don't get a lot of salmon as well, because there's going to be a different cap for uh, for fish compared to other aquatic mobs. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that with fish being a separate thing now. Uh, obviously, it won't help if there's another player on a server trying to, you know, just anywhere near an ocean or a river. But yeah, you will definitely see a few more squid spawning, which is good news <laughs> because yeah, yeah, you can't get enough ink on some servers, especially if you want to dye black concrete for roads or, or builds or anything like that. The same goes yeah. for and people who use written books on a frequent basis. And the spawning distance is also shorter too. Um, fish spawn and despawn closer to the player than other aquatic yes. mobs. So, yeah, yeah. so even if there is a player on the server that's near an ocean, they would have to be really near it, like in it, for for other fish to to spawn in. Whereas, and even if they did, even if other fish did spawn in, it's not going to affect your is, spawning in fish by other players is not going to affect your mob cap on your you know guardian or your your um, ink farm because they're in a separate separate cap so yeah it's cool i i you know i'm I, I like that they're separating things out i think that's that's good do do we know do guardians are guardians part of the aquatic mob cap or are they part of the monster mob cap like they're part of the the aggressive mob cap i'm not certain i can't remember off the top of my head um hmm. but i i feel like they must be part of their own maybe a hostile mob cap because of the the sheer amount of them that spawn if uh, an ocean temple is right next to you know a large patch of ocean i feel like mm. if if the fish were taking up the mob cap you wouldn't get any guardian spawns at all so right. yeah I, I i strongly expect that they are the hostile mob cap mainly hostile yeah, yeah. makes but, sense uh, Let's let's move on to the chunk mail for this week because we have a few emails to get through here. Uh, if you would like to email the show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. And I know we've had a lot of responses to uh, your question from last week about whether you could set a radius for teleporting players around when you've been working with uh, command blocks on your server. Yes, and I want to say thank you to all of the people that wrote in with uh, the answer to my question. Uh, there was quite a few, including Minipax, Jay Childred, the OP Warrior 208, Nathan Foster, and Mr. Nobody 1166. Uh, we actually have an email, and I'll read this first one um, because it was uh, pretty much directed, directed at me. And this is from Oozebull, and I would say probably the better explanation or a better worded explanation for this uh, teleport uh, command. Uh, and they said, hello, the command you want is slash teleport at E bracket type player distance radius limit value xyz facing xyz now that's not going to be the easiest thing to follow on the podcast i'm going to encourage everyone to go to the spawnchunks.com where we will have oozbull uh email uh out there for everybody to read and uh and check it out because they did a really good breakdown of what the actual string means slash teleport indicates what we want 
to teleport someone, or that we want to teleport someone. At E indicates that we want to teleport an entity. The type of entity is the player. The distance, this is the part that was puzzling for me last week. This distance uh, indicates that we want to teleport an entity within five blocks of the command block, which I think is really cool. Uh, limit of one indicates that we only want to teleport one entity. And then of course, after that, you've got the coordinates you teleport to and the coordinates that you look at after the teleportation. Uh, I was able to also, you know, you can handle like, you know, your, your, your view rotation and stuff like that. So you can say whether you're looking up or down or whatever. Uh, they've also cited sources, which is fantastic. So people can read more about this if they want. We will have uh, Oozbull's email in its entirety in our show notes. And so if this is something that you want to implement on your world, you can go there and, and copy the command, put in your own information, but also see a breakdown of, of how the command works. And I can't thank Oozbull enough. Like that is concise and really clear uh, on how it works. Um, I would have never come up with the way that they calculate distance and the limit of like teleporting, you know, someone within a block. Like I, I don't know why it's got such a strange format like there's two periods before the block limit distance and so that kind of stuff like oozbull has broken it down in a way that i understand but i just have to kind of take their word for it because there's no real explanation as to why it's worded like this only a breakdown of what these command parts mean uh, but still i'm able to reproduce it and hopefully you will be able to as well so thanks very much for everybody uh writing in really really appreciate it the syntax of commands is something I've never fully been able to commit to memory, and I'm still in awe of people who know all of this stuff, especially considering a lot of command block functionality has moved over to data packs and stuff now. I find it is, you know, less and less required to know stuff like this, but on rare occasions, it's kind of helpful to have all of that stuff. And the documentation for it on the Minecraft wiki is good, but also kind of difficult to pick out all of the individual information you need. So yeah, breakdowns like this are really, really useful. So hats off to Oozeball once again. Uh, the next email comes in from Mr. Nobody 1166 who also provided some uh, great explanations of how to select uh, players in a certain radius. So we'll skip over that part of the email. But the rest of it says, Hi Joel and Pixel Riffs. I found your podcast a few months ago and have been listening to it daily. And I caught up two weeks ago. I really love it. And thank you so much for your contribution to the community. We all appreciate it. It's the only Minecraft podcast I've ever found that actually intellectually examines the game with a fun twist. Well, thank you for that. I feel like it's funny after our discussion last week about uh you know how seriously we all take minecraft it's kind of fun to feel like there's somebody who's like ah intellectual examination of minecraft that's what i'm here for anyway now to mr nobody 1166's actual question two weeks ago i was watching pixel riffs survival guide which is amazing by the way uh it has taught me a lot about minecraft and i'm almost caught up the survival guide episode was about transporting mobs which brought the following question to mind how can mob transportation be improved? My line of thinking was that implementing spawn eggs into survival Minecraft would be cool, but making them an endgame resource. Do you think spawn eggs could be added into vanilla survival and it'll still feel like Minecraft, or does that seem a little too cheaty? Again, I really appreciate what you do. Keep up the good work, Mr. Nobody. So how much experience do you have with spawn eggs, Joel, not being a creative player all that much i assume you know sort of what the deal is with them primarily i know what they are it's just i mean it's just a mechanic for minecraft creative players to spawn in mobs you know because yeah. you, you don't you might not get them in the creative world depending on how you have it set up um when i when i do creative work i do i do it in peaceful and so yeah. when you're testing out mob farms or testing out how a mob reacts to cats or what the distance of creeper moves is like all that kind of stuff i just i've used mob eggs in that regard i've never thought about them in any kind of like survival context 
Yeah, um, the thing about mob spawn eggs that maybe a few people aren't aware of, so this might be fun information for some of you, they're a little bit cheaty in their current incarnation because you can use them to convert spawner blocks. If you right-click on a spawner with any kind of spawn egg, it will switch to spawning that mob. So if, for example, you get a wither spawn egg, uh, I think there is one of those, or at least it, maybe you have to summon the wither using commands, so perhaps that's a bad example. But say a creeper. Uh, you don't get naturally generated creeper spawners in dungeons in Minecraft, but if you have a creeper spawn egg and you right-click on a spawner block, it converts it into a creeper spawner. Spawners, if you generate them from the creative menu, uh, default to being pig spawners, but you change them around by using uh just right clicking on them using a spawn egg so imagine getting access to spawn eggs in the end game of survival and being able to convert basically any spawner to whatever you wanted it to be it's a little bit overpowered i think and now we are having more spawners added to the game like the magma cube spawner that's at the bottom of some piglin bastion remnants um you know stuff like that is becoming more plausible but it's still a little bit overpowered to give you the spawn eggs of basically anything um it's kind of if if it was made the equivalent of an easter egg in the same way that mob heads are like zombie skeleton and creeper heads from charged creepers i feel like even then it might still be a little bit too overpowered because once you've got access to that and players would be rushing towards that as part of gameplay progression uh yeah you you would you would find that being abused quite quickly so maybe spawn eggs aren't quite the answer but there are a few other ways out there of transporting mobs around. My, my brain immediately went to uh, Sky Factory because there's a, a mod called Hatchery which allows you to capture passive mobs, animals mainly, in nets and transport them around. So you've got a cow, you scoop it up in a net, you put the cow down elsewhere. Same with chickens and that's mainly used to transfer chickens into nesting blocks where they can produce eggs and materials for you in Sky Factory. But yeah, how do you feel about moving mobs around right now? Do you, is that something you struggle with? Is it something you bother with right now? Uh, I moved a lot of passive mobs around early in the game to get farms going. I don't find it that difficult. Uh, when I first learned how to do it when I was playing Minecraft early, early on, I thought it made sense. You know, you hold seeds, chickens follow you around. You hold wheat, sheep, and cattle follow you around. I think horses too. Or horses, it's carrots. I can't remember. Um, and then there's another one. Uh, pigs. Is it apples? Is that what pigs will fall uh, around? Carrots and potatoes for pigs. Carrots and potatoes for pigs. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, like, again, I've obviously not moved a lot of pigs around because you don't really need to because chicken is the usually the... Yeah, pig, the, pigs the, are the obsolete in this game unless yeah. you want to pigs. ride something useless. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really find that I struggle that much with moving mobs around. And I don't do anything crazy with, like, moving guardians or, like, squid or things like that. Um However, villagers, villagers are something that I've had to move around a lot uh, yeah. on the Citadel. And for me, mobs that have really unpredictable AI, I find is frustrating. So it's yeah. less about, <laughs> it's less about moving the mob. It's more about getting the mob to not do, you know, things like cows and chickens and stuff like they, they'll just wander. They don't necessarily just completely go off in tangent directions and just kill themselves. Um, I, I find I, I get why we can't attach a lead to a villager. Like, I understand the connotation there and why we can't do that. Um, but I'm kind of wondering why there isn't a way to manipulate them to react or move in a specific direction. Uh, like, for example, if you want a cow to run away from you, you can punch it. Now, obviously, you don't want to punch a villager because then that affects all kinds of different things these days. 
But I feel like if you were to maybe hold an axe or a sword, maybe a villager would walk away from you uh, because they would feel threatened. Uh, or if you were to come at them towards, you know, with, with an emerald, that they maybe walk towards you. I'm not saying necessarily follow you everywhere. Like, you know, you'd not be able to lead a villager across a biome by holding an emerald. But I find a lot of the frustration of getting villagers where you want them to go is trying to get them that last three or four blocks of the distance where you want them to go something specific, somewhere specific, and they won't because your minecart has only taken them so far. Yeah. Um, and that's where I thought it was kind of funny, you know, that, that they would um, be so, I don't know, put off by that kind of stuff. Now we have the ability to control piglins with gold. And I've kind of wondered, like, as soon as I said, like, emeralds, like, I was thinking maybe an emerald sword, but, like, what about netherite? Like, if, if you wanted to add a function to netherite, like, if I held my netherite sword and that immediately made a villager come over to me because they weren't sure what it was or if they wanted to run away from me because they're like, well, it's a sword, I'm going the other direction. Uh, I thought that would be kind of cool. I feel like you could also kind of augment the villager profession system. Well, Well, if you're holding fish or if you're holding you know, an iron ingot would an armorer or a fisherman then be more likely to come over to you, you know, yeah. and see, hey, do you want to trade? Again, not follow you across a biome, but they'll walk five to six blocks and say like, oh, hey, look, you have the thing that I want. And thus, perhaps, you know, through other games mechanics we know, like trapdoors and things, be able to much, you know, have it be a much easier time to move the villager into the place where you want them to go. Um, so moving villagers as entities is where I normally get frustrated in Minecraft. Yeah, um, it can be tedious moving stuff around with large numbers of mobs, um, but I, I kind of like the challenge of moving them around using water streams and minecarts and, and various other methods. And I really think that's where soul sand bubble columns were like a revolution in this area because getting them up anywhere mm -hmm. is, is always the most difficult thing. Like you can kind of prod villagers into some areas, but transporting them vertically was always a nightmare. Um, so, so great that you can do that. And even just throwing a boat down, having whatever it is hop in it, if it's a, a passive mob, and then rowing away, even on land, is probably faster than having to set up all of the minecart tracks and then come back and then make sure the thing is in the minecart to begin with. So if you're transporting them one at a time and you don't, if you just want one, then yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit easier using boats. Although, yeah, rowing around on land is still bizarre and probably not super intentional but it works for now um i'm kind of hoping updates to minecarts can prevent some of the weird issues with them like whenever i transport anything via minecart it always ends up taking like half a heart of suffocation damage when it turns a corner or something like that and and glitching through corners is uh, a weird thing the same with traveling vertically down ramps like sometimes they will take damage from the blocks to either side of them just because of the way the game calculates minecart positioning which is frankly a little bit distracting and yeah it's a little bit weird i think this is something etho was struggling with where he's got a um a transport system where he rides on a llama in a minecart around his base on hermitcraft right now that is yeah it's it's weird because he's having to put uh semi-transparent blocks like composters for example stuff that he's not going to suffocate in at certain heights around this track so that he doesn't take any damage when he gets in or out um so yeah there's there's some weird quirks there that i really feel like could be fixed and would make the whole process a little bit nicer um on the subject of leading villages around i think it's the quark mod has this where if you craft an emerald block that will encourage villagers to follow you and i feel like that makes a bit more sense because 
it's something you have to put a little bit of work in to acquire in the first place. And then when you break it back down again for currency, you don't have it anymore. So you need, you're, you're encouraged to stockpile and it gives a little bit more functionality to a block that's otherwise cosmetic for beacon bases and then broken down for, for resources. So yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like there's a lot of good ideas out there. It's just settling on one that feels right for vanilla Minecraft. And uh, yeah, right now we're just limited to juggling people around in minecarts but i think if anybody has any more ideas on that score that'd be something great to write in about maybe we can follow up this discussion a little bit later uh today's discussion though is prompted by another email that comes in from joe box uh and i feel like i'll read this to to kick start today's discussion uh the subject is looking forward to the nether update it says hello piglin riffs and joel hoglin very good uh, I've been listening to your show since episode one. I listen while mining, building, and farming in Minecraft and doing my chores in the real world. Thank you. Uh, I'm writing this from the hot caverns of the Nether and wanted to chime in on your discussion on the Nether update as a whole. Before the much-needed update, the Nether was a hellish wasteland I only visited for fast travel or for stripping its resources, usually quartz. I would only really search for the rare Nether fortress to get some skulls to make a beacon and Nether come back. Uh, with the Nether update, the Nether gets its own identity, a sense of resource progression through the new debris, unique inhabitants, atmospheric biomes with many, many new building blocks, and the ruinous piglin bastion remnants it's a totally alien experience walking through the mushroom forests and volcanic deltas avoiding the deadly soul sand valleys and stumbling upon the intricate bastions to loot trade or get your butt kicked by piglins it's now a viable strategy to build a base in the nether so here are some idea examples a castle in a lava lake an ancient forge in a basalt delta a repaired bastion or a crimson or warped mansion or for you joel you could try an orc village when you get your computer repaired wish you luck by the way the different particle effects make for a great atmosphere hoping this email fuels a nether update themed discussion keep up the wonderful show joe box well this uh, has fueled this week's discussion and we've been polling our audience a little bit for some ideas uh we have a live chat going in our discord right now and uh some folks have piped up with their own ideas but what were you thinking about this joel uh do you have ideas for what you want to build in the nether once the update arrives most of my ideas revolve around new ways that i could approach and connect new nether hubs so on the citadel we're doing these new build zones and some of them are 10,000 blocks away so they're not going to be connected in the nether uh to the main build areas we're using a teleport block on the surface to do that and we're we're, we're kind of doing a little bit of rp for that but in these new areas for example the medieval kingdom it's huge like huge and even cumbersome to fly from one end to the other. So I feel like we're going to have to add some new nether hubs for new areas in the world. When you want to travel a couple hundred blocks, it's going to be a lot easier to do in the nether. And I'm thinking about like nether hubs and nether transportation. I've had the idea of a forge uh, definitely pop into my mind, although I'm probably going to build that in the overworld. Granted, I'll be using some of the new nether blocks to do that. Um, I thought a lava strider highway could be an interesting neat weird just kind of like a unique way mm -hmm. to travel in the nether rather than putting down an ice road or trying to fly in the nether uh you know just being able to say like look it's a trough of lava and there's a strider and you there's you know one at both ends you know just take a strider leave a strider you know yes and you, you uh, can I, you can leash them in the same way that you can passive mobs in the overworld as well so like they're, they're yeah. basically nether horses 
Right. So that's what I mean. Like, so, you know, get, get a lava thing going. Now you'd have to move the lava unless you built the road over a lava lake and then encased it so that you don't have any, like, you know, gas issues. Yeah. Uh, but I'm talking like a constructed design, like we are using striders like minecarts sort of idea. I think that could be weird and fun. Um, if you don't like bastions, well, you can create your own. Uh, and I, I, I had the idea after seeing um one of the screenshots from someone uh, a while ago about a giant stone pig head uh, or piglin head and it would be kind of cool to do some stuff like that you know maybe a, a bit of a, a ham fist pardon the pun where you're taking things like classic builds like you know castle gray skull from he-man but it's a pig instead of an evil skull. You know, like yeah. just, like you know how pigs in space used to do that with the Muppet Show, where like yes. everything was a everything was a pig, even the spaceship was a pig. Yeah, and yeah. I, the, I feel the like no, just doing the a nose bunch cone of, is like a snout kind of thing. Yeah. Snout, yeah, yeah. So you, like doing a bunch of pig or piglin related things uh, in the Nether would be kind of fun if you wanted to take a cartoony you know approach to it. Uh, custom fungi biomes in the overworld uh are something i'm going to be doing so definitely nether related and definitely nether blocks i'm not sure how i might explain it whether they're spilling out from another portal or whether i just want to add you know new new mushroomy spore-like things uh in certain biomes i just i got a funny feeling like mixing a mega taiga and some of the the crimson fungi and and nylium stuff i think it might work quite well i think it might be really ethereal and very fantasy like so I'm, I'm looking forward to trying something like that um for our live chat we had a couple of other ideas that were similar to mine uh cameron suggested redesigning the nether fortress so taking the new designs and the new blocks and the new themes of the nether and applying them to an older existing um generated build uh and also i really like this idea building something around the lore that ties the piglins rivalry to the wither skeletons so building a reason as to why they fight uh which i think is a cool idea yeah uh ronan yeah, kai sorry go ahead no I, I just think that's a really fun idea because that's it's something that has clearly been introduced with the piglins as part of the ecosystem part of the dynamic and it it really cements piglins place in the nether as though they've been there already they have this existing grudge and so mm -hmm. exploring that, given that we have no story details within the game itself, seems like a really fun theme for a build. It's a good jumping off point, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then quickly wrapping up, uh, Ronan Kai has uh, said that they're going to be planning on building a Mordor-inspired overworld build, but obviously using a lot of the nether blocks. And Cosmic wants to build an orc-themed camp. So, I mean, those are my ideas and some of the ideas from the community. What are you looking at building in the nether when it arrives? Uh, for me, I feel like a lot of it is going to be reactive to the landscape of the nether, which has been getting less and less predictable over the years, what with uh, the addition of canyons, uh, sort of ravine structures being in the nether now, as of, I think, 1.13 onwards. And you've got all of these new biomes coming in. So I feel like a lot of the stuff I'm going to be building is going to be bridges to different biomes. Um, and now I feel like there is something to bridge to instead of just more nether you know what i mean so i think a lot of the stuff i'm going to be working on at first is going to be transport routes but not necessarily for a nether hub to get back to the overworld it's going to be a nether hub to get to other parts of the nether um and i think that's going to be really fun just exploring to find where the the main biomes 
for those sections are for gathering of resources, farming uh, warped fungi and so forth, and then probably getting hold of a, a reasonable amount of blackstone, even though that, as, as we've heard from the snapshot notes today, is going to be in most of the other biomes in patches, much like granite and diorite and so forth generate in the overworld. I'm thinking of expanding my nether hub a little bit because I'd left a couple of areas in it for micro builds of each of the new biomes that's going to be in the nether update and now I have basalt deltas to work in there as well but I think from there it's it's going to be stuff that is characteristic of the nether because we've talked about this in previous episodes where the new blocks in the nether look best if you keep them in the nether and you build with them there uh, they, they're really designed, it feels like, to be harmonious with the environment the nether provides for you already. So it's figuring out what does a, you know, a warped uh, biome settlement look like? What does a warped forest uh, village look like? Whether you're bringing villagers in from the overworld or if you're just kind of creating some sort of uh, made-up civilization there, how do you blend some materials from outside with the materials that are in those biomes and create like a coherent thing without the entire thing just being a blue patchwork that kind of gets lost against the background of the nylium and yeah just working with the individual builds within the biomes themselves and then mixing and matching them i think is going to be quite a fun process in the same way that you're not always just going to build with oak wood because you're in a, a plains you're probably going to go and find some spruce wood and some dark oak and some birch to vary your wood palette a little bit so I think, yeah, trying to find out what from the other biomes looks good in a basalt delta. Uh, if you want to throw in some warped wood there, is it going to stick out like a sore thumb? If it does, is that a good thing? Um, yeah, just kind of playing around with the, the different color palettes that we can now throw out there, having got these blocks from within the nether itself. Yeah, I think mixing and matching in the biomes is something I'm really curious about because we've seen some quick builds that go up you know day and date with their snapshot releases yeah. and youtube and things like that but it's always just like grabbing what's been provided and then you know kind of showing things off i'm curious about how blocks from the overworld can then be brought into the nether to build so when you're building your um your house if you decided that you want to live in say a crimson forest well, are you bringing red concrete with you? Are you building with quartz? Like, are you building with, um, I think yellow terracotta would match, I think the shroom lights quite yeah. nicely. Like there's just a bunch of different, like, you know, oranges and reds and different colors that you can bring in from the overworld that could, that could make a really interesting sort of palette and stuff in, in these forests. Uh, I'm, I'm also really curious. I mean, this isn't necessarily a build idea, but to your point about traveling through the nether and building these bridges to get to different biomes and things, I'm wondering how difficult it's going to be to get through a warped forest or a crimson forest. Are you going to want to cut a swath through it and then build a road? Or is it just going to be easier and safer to go around it, you know, and say, hey, if you want to go in here and get stuff, great. But really, if you're traveling around is better than through. Yeah, I'm not I... really sure how that's going to work out. I think basalt deltas are going to be the worst offender for that because of the extra lava pools that they have mm -hmm. in them. And given how difficult the, the terrain is yeah, to traverse already because it's got all of these you know, vertical spikes, I think that's going to be kind of fun to mess around with. Going, going back to what you were saying, actually, about bringing blocks from the overworld, I kind of wonder if you bring blocks from the end to a warped forest, how that would look. I feel like purple would clash really badly, uh, but yeah. I, I kind of wonder if that's where the Endermen are going to populate. I wonder if maybe for, for lore purposes, it'd be kind of fun to recreate 
an end city build but using materials from the nether if we presume that the end cities are the enderman's home then potentially they would build in an architectural style they were familiar with if they've traveled to the nether and so having a kind of netherish end city rising up from one of those warped forest biomes seems like it'd be kind of a fun build project and a fairly simple build style to emulate they're not built in a particularly complicated way once you figure out the modular structure of them you can do some pretty cool yeah. stuff the problem then of course becomes the cavernous nature of the nether and the lack of build height above a certain point but i feel like you right. could do some some pretty cool stuff you could at least recreate one of those ones that's just like a tower a couple of branches and a couple of smaller rooms yeah no i agree i it's funny like in a way the 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 naturalist in me approaches the nether biomes in the same way that i approach the overworld biomes where i don't want to clear cut like i don't want to go in and just mow everything down and yeah. build something like i just i i want to it's like the, the the build that's gonna go in my crimson forest is gonna go probably next to the crimson forest and mostly be built on a regular <laughs> regular nether because i'm probably not going to want to uh to smash it down i noticed that some of the biome generation has changed as well in the snapshot and i'm hoping for larger biomes this is anecdotal but when i pop into the snapshots to take screenshots for the title card for the podcast i very often find that you know i'll, I'll use the teleport to new biome command it's like well i went to a soul sand valley but i can't find it it's, it's about so five tiny. blocks wide yeah <laughs> yeah and it's like this is so i like i kind of want the biomes to be much larger so that you can feel a little bit more immersed in them and that you really get a feeling for that nether fog because that nether fog changes color when you travel from one to the other. And I, in getting screenshots and stuff, I, re I remember going through like, and it's red and it's purple and it's back to normal. It's like, well, that was weird. Why did it change? Like, what well, it's it's like when you travel over that the edge of a swamp that has this weird little section where the biomes kind of like connect. And it's like in one block, you're in one biome and in another block, you're in another and it makes no sense. It's also worth noting that lava lakes in the nether are not their own distinct biome. They have the biome data show that they are still technically part of whatever the most neighboring biome is. So, you know, it all generates at a flat like Y24 or 30 or something, I think, whatever lava sea level is in the nether. But you find that that is still a nether wastes biome or it is still a warp forest, whatever kind of biomes mm meat in that lava lake are still technically speaking present so you can often try and travel to one of those biomes to find that it is not there and has just been swallowed up by a lava lake during world generation but yeah right. I, I think a lot of my building in the nether is going to be reactive because uh, i'm moving on from a previous world uh, that, that already existed beforehand i'm probably going to be blending in some of the biome borders because i'll be deleting chunks of my world and regenerating them with the new terrain and it might look completely different next time i log in but i i think a lot of it is really going to be um yeah figuring out where stuff is going to go maybe figuring out some cool farms that i can make in there and using fun new techniques like the fact that you can generate uh basalt by using flying machines with blue ice in them and you can make bridges that way. So maybe automatic bridging and then building some stuff up around that bridge. So the function comes first and then the form comes after that is really the way I'm looking at it. But it's going to be fun to explore. And I think... I never uh, thought, actually, that might be a good point. If, you're, if you are going to go the direction that you and I are going with MCA Selector and deleting uh, chunks, it might be worth it to have that border of deleted chunks go through a lava lake so that potentially you don't have as hard an edge 
yeah i mean if you can if you can wrangle it that way then then even better obviously like a lot of the lava lakes are going to have cavernous stuff built above them so that might potentially mm. be a bit of a roadblock but we will see we'll see what people do and this is a conversation that we can absolutely throw out to our listeners once again so if you folks have some great ideas for what you plan on building in the nether then give us a bell <laughs> send us an email it would be great to hear from some of you but i think that is where we're going to wrap up our discussion for today thank you so much for listening to the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com the music for the show is composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you get some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and hopefully gets you listening in to our future shows which we record live in discord if we stay above a certain threshold on patreon we're currently at 173 patrons there's always room for more and special thanks should go out to our content engineers cameron sigelski goody greener canuck jd williamson yakov nastin and yitz for their support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast with friends and new listeners. Wave and shout from across the street and say, hey, you should listen to The Spawn Chunks. These guys are pretty good. You can email the show at the new email address, which is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and listen on YouTube. You can also find the RSS feed on thespunchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, which is, of course, where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where the Minecraft Survival Guide is into the 300 episodes this week. A uh, very exciting time. Looking forward to showing you guys around my world in the latest world tour. Uh, I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide world, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. There's also a store there, and I was reminded this past weekend that, uh, hey, I wrote and published a book in 2012. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, you can pick it up. You can go to joelduggan.com slash store, and you can pick up Starcross Volume 1 if you're looking for something to read over the... Uh, the, the next few weeks at home. Uh, the Citadel Cafe is the podcast all about sci-fi and fancy entertainment I talk about uh, with my friends. We talk about all kinds of different fun stuff. It's at thecitadelcafe.com. Had a really good time this past week with Lou talking about the Jurassic Park slash World Series. I watched the rest of them. So we talked about dinosaurs like the whole time. Uh, it was great. Uh, you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media. Super easy to find. And I'm going to point you, of course, towards Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I am building currently in the modern city of Southport on the Citadel server. Having a blast. Back to streaming. Things are working okay. Fingers crossed. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, which means we can build everything. <laughs>